So let's read together. This is 1 Peter 3, verse 7. And this is the word of the Lord, and it's for your good. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you for your word that it pierces us. We thank you that even this verse that is so simple is so rich. And we pray that you would give us your Holy Spirit, that in this church you would form marriages um, that are centered on the gospel, that are shaped by the gospel, and that would be pleasing to you and that would give you glory. And marriages that would be a picture of the gospel to the world as well. Lord, uh, these kinds of marriages are not natural. They do not, we do not do them naturally. They are marriages that you must shape as, as a great artist who is forming and shaping us. You must work on us. And now would you just take the chisel of your word and uh, chisel us into the image of Christ. And we ask this in his name. Amen. So, um, as I said last week, we uh, devoted our uh, study to a discussion about the gospel, a gospel woman, or a gospel wife. And we looked at a passage that in our culture is quite controversial. Uh, you know, wives, be subject to your husbands, submit to your husbands. And it's really, it's a very beautiful passage, a very challenging uh, passage. And it's, you know, you guys, many of the husbands here got to listen in on that uh, talk, and you might have walked away thinking, okay, the wife's supposed to submit to the husband, so I guess that makes me the boss? Is that how that works? I'm the boss then, right? (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) You're not the boss. God is the boss. You're both obeying God. You're both living your life before God and living in obedience to God. And for a wife and a husband, it it has shades of difference. Um, there's a difference for, for a wife and a husband of what does it look like to obey God. And so today, we're going to look um, at what that means for a husband. And again, though, the key to being a husband, just like for being a wife, is the gospel. That um, to understand what it means to, to be a husband, we must begin by looking at Jesus. Because the Bible says that uh, the church is the bride of Christ, that Jesus is the ultimate husband. And what we're going to learn from that is primarily that that being a husband is about taking responsibility for first for your wife, but also for your family. Being a husband means taking responsibility for your wife and for your family. And so I'm going to say three things uh, in particular that um, a husband is responsible for, specifically in the marriage relationship. First, that he's responsible for his wife emotionally. Um, that means, and, and what I mean by that is in the, in the security of the relationship. That's what he's, he's responsible to create a kind of atmosphere, a feeling, uh, and a mood of security in the relationship. So first, he's responsible for her emotionally. Second, he's responsible for her physically. And lastly, he is responsible for her spiritually. So a husband has a calling to be the, uh, the spiritual leader in in his family, and so we're going to talk about those three things. But before I um, jump into those, I, we have to, there's a little bit of theology that 
is kind of the foundation for, uh, for marriage and for, for being a husband. And what does this mean to take responsibility for something? Or what does it mean that Jesus took responsibility for his bride, the church? And um, one of the things that I mentioned last week is that a marriage is a relationship that's founded on the promise, I will never leave you. That's the thing, that's not just something that you say on your wedding day, that's actually the whole um, foundation of how you interact with one another. So it's called a covenant promise, the covenant promise, I will never leave you. And so, actually, I understand when, when the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands, or respect your husbands, and husbands, love your wives, give yourself for them, or in this passage it says, live with your wives in an understanding way. What these are is these are ways that you tell one another in a day-to-day basis, I will never leave you. You're constantly communicating that to one another. That's what God, what Jesus does for us. Every week we come here, we Trev, we do uh, confess our sin, and we hear an assurance of pardon. And God is saying to us, "I will never leave you, even if you're a sinner. I'm not going to leave you." It's a constant message that we're sending to one another, and um, and so when the what the Bible means when it says that the husband is the head of the household, it doesn't mean he's the boss. It doesn't mean he's the king. Uh, it means that he uh, is the one who is, is responsible for uh, the health of the marriage. And so that what that means is that even though there's other people in the family or even his wife may be sinning against him, ultimately he is the one, the buck stops with him of who is responsible that, um, that this marriage is healthy, things are working pro- properly. And this, that's what it means to be a head. And actually... this idea of a a head or a covenant head is hugely important for reading the Bible and understanding the Bible. I mean, you you look back in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, and you have this scene where the serpent comes to Eve and and deceives Eve, and they conspire together to rebel against God, and she eats of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And... um, And then the husband, it says that he was with her. He's just kind of standing there. I don't know, he's playing video game or watching a football game or something, and he's not doing anything, and she's being deceived, and, uh, and so and that's where sin comes into the world, the fall comes, but you read later in the Bible, in Romans 5, talking about that, it doesn't say that by the serpent and by the woman and by the man, sin came into the world. It says by one man, sin came into the world, by Adam. So even though there were all these others, his wife was involved, the serpent was involved, ultimately he was the one that was responsible. He's the head. And actually, you read through the Old Testament. If you've, if you've read through the Old Testament, you know the Old Testament's kind of about Israel, God's people. But it's actually not so much about Israel, God's people. It's about the leader of Israel, right? It's about Abraham. It's about Moses. It's about jo- uh, Joshua. It's about um, the judges. It's about Samuel. It's about David and Solomon and the kings. It's about the prophets. And what it is, is it's this whole body of people, and there's one guy who's kind of responsible, responsible for the people. And when he's loving God, when he's being faithful, the people are healthy, and they're prospering, and everyone's happy. And when he's being a scumbag, and when he's worshiping idols, the people suffer, and everyone falls apart. And so the whole message of the, of the Old Testament is, who's going to come and be the responsible head? Who's going to bring life to the people? Who's going to, who, it's waiting for an answer. Who's going to be the true king? And that's who, what Jesus comes as. And what's interesting, it, this is a key. Jesus comes to you know, save us, right? The church, his, his bride. And one of the things is we sin against Jesus all the time. 
We, before we were Christians, we sinned against God. Our heart, our, our nature is to rebel against God. And what does Jesus do? Does he say, you better get your life together if, if I'm going to love you? Why are you such a mess up? He doesn't do that. He comes and he dies on the cross. He takes the, the, the consequences for our sin upon himself and, uh, so that we'll be forgiven. And so that he'll bring health and, and radiance to his body. And bring life to his body. And so what he's doing for sins that he didn't even do, he takes responsibility for them. And he's saying, I'm not just going to sit and point the finger at the church for all the bad things it does. I'm going to take the responsibility. I'm going to take uh, the penalty upon myself. That is the picture of what headship is. You are responsible for the state of your family. Even you take responsibility for other people's sins, even your wife's sins. So you don't point the finger at her. You take responsibility does that make sense? And, uh, and also, I should say that um, Jesus is very clear that what it means, when Jesus says the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, he's saying, I'm coming as the king of the universe, and I'm not coming to be served, I'm coming to serve. And so that what that means is if a man is the head of his family, his responsibility is not primarily to be served. That's often what men think, is I'm the boss, and uh, so people do what I say, and uh, they wait on me. No, that's the, it's the exact opposite. Jesus came to serve, to humble himself. So that's the picture, that's the theological ground for what it means to take responsibility. And what I want to say from this passage is three things that a husband takes responsibility for his wife, particularly emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So first, he takes responsibility for her emotionally. Now, one of the things I also mentioned last week was that part, uh, when man and woman were first made, you know, the Bible says that God made man first, and God said it was not good for man to be alone. So that's why he created uh, Eve, the woman. And so what that means is that for women, um, this isn't the only thing they care about, but their primary instinct, the primary sense of purpose that says that my life is meaningful is in relationships. The security of a relationship is through attachment, through attaching to people. That's what gives them an ultimate sense of my life means something. And um, I think that um, this, that desire for um, uh, attachment, for security in a relationship, creates the biggest kind of emotional need in a marriage. And I, this is my experience from my marriage. This is what I, I see the Bible saying as well, and, um, and just from talking uh, to many people. And does she feel the sense from her husband, I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to nourish you. I'm going to cherish you. I'm going to sacrifice for you. Is that the big message that she's hearing on a regular basis from her husband? Um, that's her emotional need. And I think that this is very near to the heart of what Peter is saying in verse 7 when he says, um, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Understand your wife. Understand what uh, the, her first impulse, the thing that makes her life feel meaningful. Understand what that is because it's different than it is for you. For a man, it's go out, and I need, to, I need to make an impact in the world. I need to get a job. I need to make a vocation. I need to feel like I'm accomplishing something. Those are the things that make us feel like we're somebody, is what have I done? And wives care about that too, but primarily they care about what meaningful relationships do I have? Are you never going to leave me? Are you with me? 
And um, actually, just, just this past week, we, um, we're, uh, Shannon and I are moving into a very, I would say, uh, hands-on phase of our family. We have, if, if you don't know our family, we have five kids. The oldest is six. We have twins who are one and a half, and then Ada is two and a half. And we, we got a combination of some sickness and an ear infection, kind of perfect storm happening this, this last week. And it, so Shannon had multiple days of just three, I mean, three babies just crying at her all day long. Just all day crying, pick me up, pick me up, just surrounded like, you know, they're hugging on her all the time. And just wearing down, wearing down, wearing down. And um, someday this week, I'm... And I, we had some other things that came up this week. I had to go to, a, I was chaperoning a field trip for Lucy's school, so that took up some time. And I was leaving one day, and I was like, and she's obviously upset. She's like, I, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this. And, and so I start laying out, okay, these are the things, these are the things that we're doing. Just relax, okay. I, last night, I took the kids uh, to someone's house for dinner so you can have a little break. I'm going to come home at 2 o'clock on uh, three hours early so I can um, be here to provide for you, you know, to, to help you out. And I'm wanting her to say, oh, wow, thank you. You are a great husband. What a guy you are. And, but the thing that, you know what's really going on inside of me is I'm trying to say, I want to give a solution to the problem, right? I, some of you guys know that. I, I, I'm a problem solver. I have a, I have a solution to the problem. And, and that's a good thing that, that men want to, you know, figure out the problem and solve it. But one of the things that we don't realize is what does the solution to the problem mean? For me, it means I get to go to work. Like, I want to solve the problem so I can leave, <laughs> right? If the problem's solved, I can go do what I really want to, I, I want to give my attention to, right? And the big question she's asking is, am I the thing that you want to give your attention to? And, you know, it's funny. I was like, okay, I don't know what to tell you. I've done, I've solved the problem. I don't know what else to say. So I left. And I get in the car, and, of course, I'm, you know, I'm preaching on this passage this week, and I'm sitting in the car. <laughs> Husbands, dwell, live with your wives in an understanding way. Live with your wives. In, and it's the Holy Spirit is just pounding it. In, and I'm like, oh, okay. I get out of the car, and I go back in. And, of course, I mean, she's in tears with babies crying all around her, not, you know, and... The thing that she's asking is, are you never going to leave me? And the, thing, the big question is not a solution, because a solution says that she doesn't need me anymore, because the problem's solved. But the big question is, are you going to be there? And that's the big thing. As a husband, our responsibility, we're being responsible for our wives, wives emotionally, is communicating to them security. I'm raising these kids with you. You're not raising these kids by yourself. We're raising them together. And that's one of the big things is, is, am I doing this by myself? Is your job going to, am I competing with your job? Am I competing with watching sports? What am I competing with? That's a big question. Um, and so the question that we have to ask is, um, as husbands, is do we connect with our wives and I'm, emotionally? Do we understand them emotionally? Are we listening to them? And I think that that's... Um, uh, you know, as men, we study things that we want to be good at. You know, I'm a pastor. I study theology. I have books everywhere. Um, you know, so if you're into sports, you know batting averages, and, and you're keeping up on Sports Center. And uh, we have things that we are devoting ourselves to. They're mission. We're on a mission. And i got to be good at it. I want to be an expert in them. Are you an expert in your wife? Do you want to know her? 
Are you an expert in how her heart works? That's what it's saying. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Is that a passion of yours to understand her? And, uh, you know, I'll tell you where that begins is with listening. And one of the things that's so good about having the gospel, have Jesus shape what it means to be a husband, is, you know, Jesus is listening to his church all the time. I mean, just think of all the Christians in the world. I don't know, a billion, two billion, whatever, you know, however many it is, are just talking to him all the time. And I don't know about your prayers. My prayers make no sense. I mean, they're just like, oh, Lord, I don't know what's going on. And, oh, help. And they're incoherent. It's just, and he doesn't say, listen, that doesn't make sense, okay? Uh, He just listens. And actually, you know, one of our big problems where we're like, gosh, I wish God would respond and say something and communicate. Maybe he's just a good listener. Good listeners don't give you an answer right away. They just listen. And that's part of it is he sits with us as we're just groaning at him. And, and that's one of the things is men say, you know, I'm, I'm trying to listen to you, but this isn't making sense. Maybe you just got to listen. Maybe you just got to be there. Because the thing you're trying to communicate is I'm never going to leave you. That's the main message you're trying to communicate. And so uh, we look at Jesus who's listening to us all the time. And that's the call for us as husbands And so it's your responsibility to ensure that your wife feels secure in the relationship. That's the big question she's asking. I think that's what Peter's getting at. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Secondly, that we're responsible for our wives physically. Um, You can see that the next little clause here, showing honor to the woman as uh, as, as the weaker vessel. And, you know, some of you might take offense. Oh women is not a weaker vessel. We are strong. It, it, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Shannon and I, uh, you know, got in a wrestling match. I mean, she's tough. She's a tough chick, and, but I'm going to take her down. I mean, she doesn't have a chance. <laughs> I'm bigger. I'm stronger. And, and the fact is uh, that men are, are just physically stronger. And I, I think that, you know, is, is the Bible does say there's, you know, differences between men and women. It doesn't say men are, you know, you know, when it says in the church, men are supposed to lead in the church, men are supposed to be the head of the household, it doesn't anywhere say men are smarter or more godly or more wise. I know, I certainly know that from my wife. Um, my wife is full of wisdom. I'm always looking to her for wisdom. Um, the, big, the one thing the Bible does say is that men have more kind of brute force. I mean, and, that, and I think that that's not just physically, but also in how we communicate. You know, if, if I say something to my kids, it has more weight. Um, there's, for some reason, in the same way my body works, my verbally how I communicate works that way too. It has force to it. And so men have a certain uh, strength and power to them. And um, really the heart of biblical masculinity, what does it mean to be a man biblically, means using your strength for the good of others. Using your strength for the good of others. And, and part of that, what that looks like in a family, it's partly men working hard, uh, sacrificing, um, being involved in, in the training of their children, in the disciplining of their children, and saying, I'm going to be involved in speaking, uh, because they have that weight and they have that, that strength in using that for the good of their family, speaking into things. And, you know, some of you guys, one thing you need to know is that you are strong. Some of you don't think you have that. You do have weight. That, that's your gift that God's given to you. And you've got to just speak up and be present and be involved and, 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 and not check out. If you were involved, God would use that strength tremendously. So a big part is stepping up um, and just being present. But some men, and this is, 
this is happening, you know, all over our culture and, and, and every culture is men using their strength not for the good of their wives or for the good of their family, but for the good of themselves. And the same way that we can use our physical strength, we can intimidate men, intimidate their wives. Um, and, they, and you might not do that physically. Maybe you're not physical with your wife. Maybe you are. And that's something that you should be repenting of immediately, that you should be telling your wife that is wrong. And maybe you should confess to someone. But also, men using their, their tongues, the way they speak with their wives, the, the looks that they give them have a force and a brutal, uh, brutal power to them that they want to tear down, that they want to intimidate, they want to be the boss, they want to be served. And the Bible says that's wicked. And one of the things that we have to understand is that uh, when, a, when a man is using his strength to intimidate, whether it's his children or, or his wife, that's not a sign of strength. That's actually a sign of weakness. That is weakness. That's cowardice, and that's, that's a pettiness, using your strength to get what you want and not to serve others. And uh, one of the things that we see in Jesus is that Jesus uses his strength for our good. And even as a, as a man, if, that's, if you find that, if you find that, that you have a, 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 a tough veneer that's hard, uh, you don't warm up to your wife, you're not, you're not a servant to your wife, the answer is just to repent. It, and repentance means you just acknowledge it. You tell Jesus, listen, I, I'm a sinner, I'm weak, and I need your strength. And I tell you, as soon as a man does that, humbles himself and acknowledges his sin, Jesus will come in and transform a, a marriage. That will transform a marriage. It's not by going to saying, I'm going to be a better husband, I'm going, to, I'm going to be a leader, and I'm going to, you know, a lot of times when husbands do that, they become more bossy, except they're more of a kind of religious kind of bossy, instead of a, you know, um, you know watching, playing video games or, or, you know, getting weighted on kind of bossy, they become a religious kind of bossy. And the core is to say that Jesus uses his strength for my good. That's what Jesus did. He uses his strength for my good. And having that shape a marriage. Now, um, Another way, uh, one other way about how a husband is responsible for his wife physically is not just in providing for her physical needs, caring for her physically, and using his strength for her good, but also in being responsible for her physical beauty. Um, you know, one of the, the big things that our culture uh, puts on our wives is expectations of what they're supposed to look like. And a wife's appearance is one of the biggest things that might challenge, do I, can I be secure in this relationship? Is he attracted to me? Does my husband love me? Does he think I'm beautiful? Is, um, uh, am I drawing, drawing him, and is he looking other places? And, the whole, and our culture is just full of images saying to women, this is what you want to look like if your husband's going to look at you. And, um, and sorry, let me, uh, and the difference between chauvinism and headship, is that chauvinism goes to a wife and says, you know, you could lose 10 pounds, and I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably be more attracted to you, or, you know, I wish you dressed more like so-and-so, you know, she looks pretty good. And that kind of stuff, you're, that's not taking responsibility. You're saying, if you be beautiful, then I'll love you. And that's the exact opposite of what the gospel is. Do you know what the gospel is? The gospel says, Jesus does not say to the church, to his bride, be beautiful, and then I will love you. He doesn't. He says, I'm going to love you, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to sacrifice for you, I'm going to die for you, and because I do that, you're going to become radiant. I'm going to pour my love into you, and by, because I'm pouring my love into you, it's actually going to make you beautiful. 
And this is one of the great mysteries about, uh, about marriage, is that um, a wife's beauty is not her responsibility, it is her husband's responsibility. And she becomes beautiful when a husband loves her. And, I, and, um, and I'll tell you that um, one of the primary ways that a, a husband uh, beautifies his wife, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis has a great, um, he says somewhere that love bestows loveliness. That the gospel does not say, be lovely and then God will love you. It says, be loved by God first and then you'll become lovely. And, uh, and love bestows loveliness. And one of the main ways that as husbands we do that is the way that we speak to our wives. Is both um, cherishing them, thanking them, telling them how beautiful they are, telling them what a gift they are to us. And for many of you men, you may have grown up and never heard a man do that before. You've seen men be tough, be distant, and that means that you need to be aware of that about yourself, that that's not what the Bible calls us to. It says to, be, to show honor to your wife. And that's something that you do verbally. And you need to, that's something to learn. And you may need to ask other men, how do you do it? What are the things that you say? But what will happen, what that means, and that's what Jesus does to the church. Jesus speaks his promises to the church, speaks his love to the church. And what do we do? We transform. We become beautiful. And what that means is if you do that, you love your wife in 50 years... She's going to be more beautiful. As she ages, she's going to get more beautiful. As she has kids, she's going to become more beautiful because you're loving her, and love bestows loveliness. That's the heart of the gospel. And so if, you want, if, if, if your wife is not look, you know, if you're not feeling attracted to your wife, the thing is, it's not her fault. It is your responsibility and your love for her to, uh, to cherish her, and that's what bestows loveliness. So this is, this is what headship looks like, okay? Lastly, a husband uh, is responsible for his wife and for, and for his family spiritually. And um, the Bible calls the husband to be the spiritual leader of his family. So a husband in some ways is kind of like a little pastor in the family. You know, he's, he's, a mo- he's to be a model of what godliness looks like, uh, to be able to teach his family questions they might have. And, and you know, by the way, if you're... That might be intimidating to some of you. Say, gosh, my wife asking me theology questions. She probably knows more than I do. Just, you have to have the freedom to say, okay, I, I don't know. Let me go investigate. I'll, I'll go learn about that. I'll go, I'll go talk to Nate. I'll go find a book on it. Um, and, uh, but, but owning that responsibility, that's part of the call that the Bible gives us. And also for a man to find out that a family finds a solid church to be involved in and that they're coming to church and they're worshiping. And I'll tell you that oftentimes men who try to take a hold of this, I want to be the spiritual leader, in some ways it happens to, to their detriment. And I think that it's important that as, a, as a, um, a spiritual leader, it's important to get the early things first. This sense of emotional engagement with your wife. Um, is there a sense of joy in the family? Are you cherishing them? Because if you just all of a sudden say, I'm going to be the spiritual leader. I'm going to pontificate about Bible passages. I'm going to make my kids obey. And there's no sense of joy. It can turn into a small dictatorship um, that's squelching any joy or, or really any resemblance of the gospel. Um, and so a husband... Um, is called to be the spiritual leader of his family. And, what, you know, this is one thing that in seminary uh, I, was talked about and that I learned, especially as I've talked to, to people who've maybe grown up in families of pastors, you know, that many pastors 
have uh, said, you know, okay, I'm devoting my life to, to serving God, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, uh, you know, we're devoting our life to the kingdom. And he tells his family, you know what, you're going to have to sacrifice because we're going to be a family that serves the Lord. And in the process, um, he spends no time with his family. And one of the things that Jesus says is that Jesus says to his bride, the church, he says, you're going to have to sacrifice for me. But the one thing that he says you're not going to have to sacrifice is me. I'm not going to be absent. He says, Lord, I'm going to be with you always. And, and so we're going to have to suffer. We're going to have to, uh, you know, um, give our money to the poor. We're going to have to stre- stretch in our time and trust God. But the one thing that a husband should never say to his family that they're going to have to sacrifice is him his presence, his involvement in their life, and his relationship. So that's really at the core of being a spiritual leader. But I think that also um, many men you know, that I've talked to, they've said, you know, my wife wants me to be a spiritual leader. I, I don't know how to do it. Uh, I really struggle. She wants me to step up more and to, um, to lead devotions in the family. And, and let me just encourage you, if that's you, you say, you know, I want to be a spiritual leader. I don't know how. It's important to understand that the Bible does not say you are supposed to be the head of your, your family. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says you are the head of your family already. And so don't try to become the head. You already are. What you should try to do is just be faithful. Know Jesus. And in doing that, you know, because otherwise you're going to be looking at other people and you say, wow, that guy's the head of his family. What does he do? I'm going to try to be like him. And it doesn't work out well. You're not being yourself. You're not living in your own skin. You need to live in your own skin. In some ways, you know, you need to find ways to read the Bible with your family, pray with your family, and things like that. But it may look different for, for you. And the main thing that you maybe need to do first is just know Jesus. Walk with him. Build a relationship with him. May, are you a Christian? Have you acknowledged, I'm a sinner, and I need God's grace? And living in that grace, and then just being faithful to God, and being present in your family, you're already the head, you're already giving life, you're already leading by doing that. And you know what? Those other things will come. God will work that in you. As you, as you come to love the Bible and love God's truth, you'll just start talking about it. I mean, that's how I found it. I'm talking about it all the time. I, I didn't ever try to be the head of, uh, you know, to lead my wife. And yet, when we were dating, we were talking about the Bible all the time just because God was working in my life. And so, don't just say, I'm going to be a spiritual leader. Pursue Jesus. Trust in him. Get to know him. And reading the Bible is a means of grace. It's a way of encountering him. And I really think that, um, I love the picture that Peter gives here where he says, um, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Your wife is an heir with you of the grace of life. You're both kind of on this journey of learning about who Jesus is, of tasting the goodness of God together and seeing God working. And uh, this is a great image that that men, uh, one of the things that Peter is doing is that in their society, men had a higher social standing than women did. And he's saying, no, you're joint heirs together. And of course, the man has responsibility for his family, but you're just walking together to try to know who God is. And uh, that's a great image of, of walking together. So let me just encourage you, it's a high calling for a man. I've just said a lot of stuff. I know. But, um, but let me just uh, tell you again, look to Jesus. Jesus is the true husband. And Jesus is also the one that's going to provide you and give you the strength uh, to be the man that God's calling you to be. So let's pray together. 
Our Lord, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the picture of marriage uh, that you have intended from the, the beginning of creation um, with Adam and Eve and that you have preserved and is still a possibility for us through the gospel to enjoy uh, the joy of marriage. I pray for the marriages in this church and as we've talked about wives submitting to their husbands, respecting their husbands, husbands living with their wives in an understanding way, showing honor to them um, as a weaker vessel. I just pray that your spirit would be working in these families, and I pray that these, even these sermons would spur on a conversation, and that it, these sermons would move the husbands and wives in this church closer to one another, and that they would trust you, and that uh, they would trust you to, to work and transform their, their, their marriages and their families. So we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen.